Please join us this week from noon to three as we celebrate the life and career of Dory Monson with the best of the Dory Monson Show. For more information, please visit MyNorthwest.com. Coming to you from our remote Carter Subaru studio because we have taken the Dory Monson Show on this Friday afternoon to one of the most glorious spots on earth that I have ever seen and experienced. Welcome to Sitka, Alaska, where it has been an adventurous couple of days. And I've been seeing the text messages. I've been seeing the emails. We don't want to hear about your fishing trip. Just tell us what's going on in the news. That's tough. That's tough because, frankly, I haven't been able to follow the news while I've been up here on my first ever trip to Sitka, my first ever fishing trip, the first fish I've ever caught in my lifetime. And it's all because my dear friend Brock Heward from 710 ESPN Seattle about three weeks ago floated the idea. And what, what was your whole concept behind this, Brock? Uh, adventure. No. Total total adventure. Thinking, Dory, that uh, you like challenges. Oh, do you, I? Oh, you are competitive, as competitive as anybody, and you really can't give me the credit. You know who this is all about. This is all about the outdoor line and Captain Tom, yes. who we've got to spend a couple days here with and have the trip of a lifetime. And who I'll I, talk to later this And hour. I've been able to do this trip now. This is, I think, my seventh time to Alaska. And I knew um, that, you know, frankly, three or four other people turned it down. And I knew that at that point, no, wait, there, there would be an opportunity for you to say yes. I was meaning to ask this. <laughs> what Was I not the first choice for this trip? Um, be honest. You, uh, you, 1A. 1A. I'm, I'm, being, I'm totally being honest. I wasn't the first choice. You were 1A. You're, you're 1 I and 1A. was the one, second choice. You're 1 and 1A. Who's the first, who said no? Uh, a na- my neighbor. My neighbor that um, we've walked through a lot of life together. We've shared yeah. much of that. And he uh, he just could not do it. His his assistant was, is having a baby, mm-hmm. and he couldn't leave it. And I thought, you know what? Then I'll you know ask what? Dory. <laughs> we'll get to 1A. And I know that Dory likes a competitive challenge. I honestly, though, when I asked you, I, you're an odds guy. I would have put 75% that you were going to say no. I was 90% when you first asked. <laughs> 90% no? Yeah, because oh. I had something on my calendar for tonight, Friday night at right. home. Right. I uh, I knew that I had a four-day weekend planned for last weekend. I don't like missing a lot of the show. Yep. And when you said it, it seemed ludicrous to me that I would miss more of my show, miss stuff that I've already committed to back at home to uh, to go gallivanting up to Alaska with you. But then what? Then you looked into it, and then but, you realized, look at this place. Look at then, where we're sitting right now. But, yeah, we're, we're sitting – just so we can paint a picture for you, uh, we have a hotel in Sitka. It's got its own little marina here. Uh, Captain Tom Nelson, his, he's got this beautiful new boat up here, and we'll talk to Tom a little bit later this hour. But uh, Tom from theoutdoorline.com on 710 ESPN. And, and I will say, Brock, and I do, I like new experiences. Yes. I, and that's something that I've, I've really made a priority and a goal-setting thing in my life to do things. Because you challenge Nicole, you challenge Ursula, you challenge your listeners, you challenge your kids, right? I mean, you challenge people in that way. So here was a challenge volleyed at you, and were you going to be up for it? And here's what, uh, what one of the 
bedrock foundations. So, yes, if you're listening for news, we're going to talk about some uh, just human stuff here, uh, this first segment with Brock. But when I was coached, I would talk to my girls all the time and every single season. So my seniors who you know played for me as freshmen, they got sick of this. But I said, you're going to experience some crushing lows yep. and you're going to experience some of the most soaring heights of your life. And, and more than ever, I think, and I know you and I have talked about this a lot off the air as fathers, as parents, that more than ever, People are sitting and looking at their phone, mm-hmm. and they're living their life in isolation through electronics and through social media, and yesterday is the same as today, which is the same as tomorrow will be, and I've learned, particularly through sports, which, you know, that's someplace, that's the first arena in which you and I really bond. Through sports, whether it's playing as you did, as coaching as I have, as a parent as you are mm-hmm. now of very high achievers, that there's nothing like the exhilaration of of those highs and feeling so alive when you have those lows. So I thought at worst, because I really didn't think I was going to like this. Honest, honest to goodness, I did not think I was going to like this. And... and because you, it, because you had no idea. But you know you're alive if yeah. they're strong. And it turns out I loved it a billion times more <laughs> yes. than I possibly could have imagined. And that's, I mean, that's my message. That's what everybody has to start doing. Stop living life on a flat line yeah. and take all those risks and have those great highs and, and take those lows as, I'll, I'll give you an example. Yes. I know I'm rambling on here. No, I love it. We talked on the boat yesterday Uh about first loves. We were talking about very personal, intimate stuff. Yes. What happens on a fishing boat? When you have that first love, when it comes to an end, you think about it the first thing in the morning. It's the last thing you think about before you fall asleep at night. There's this, oh, of the stomach feeling, but are you ever more alive? Mm. So why, even if it ends in heartbreak, wouldn't you want to experience that unbelievable range of emotion that makes us humans? Go for it. Go for it. And that's why you're up here. And that's why, Dory, when we were on the water, and it was a glorious morning. Maybe some of your listeners have been up here to Sitka, Alaska. And I know a lot of your listeners because they've tweeted me mm-hmm. and they've texted you. Uh, you got you got some fishermen and fisherwomen in your audience now. They oh, get they, out there. Oh, they yes. insisted that I come. Oh yeah, it was. They were adamant that yeah. you've got to have this and go on it. Yeah. And we go on that boat this yesterday, right? And we head out, and it is one of the most glorious days in Sitka, Alaska I've ever experienced in seven years. Right? The seas were pretty cold the way out. Mm-hmm. We get out to the spot. Captain has got the rods out. We're getting the downriggers. You're asking. By the way, kudos to you. Because I think I'm a good question asker. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty good. You you were phenomenal. Hey, Tom, what about this? Hey, Tom, what about that? Hey, Tom, what does this do? Hey, Tom, tell me about this. Hey, Tom, so you just get your gear and yourself up. And then the downriggers go down. Bam, they go down. Yeah. Like sinkers down there, right? And the bait is out there. And what is going through your? I didn't even ask you this because we had such an so so much exhilaration yesterday catching these fish. When that thing hit, like 
at that moment when it hit and and Tom's like, Doy, you know, and, and he gets it and he hands you the right. What is going through your mind? Here, honestly, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a very honest answer to that. One of the reasons I thought I wasn't going to love this is I thought I was going to feel guilty. I know you just think this is ridiculous. <laughs> I thought I was going to feel guilty pulling these majestic salmon and halibut aren't majestic. I've learned that. <laughs> halibut are just, oh, there's an octopus. I guess I'll eat that one now. I thought they were a lot cooler than they've, they've proven to be. But, but halibut are like middle linebackers. <laughs> Okay, and Dave Sam Wyman. Sam are like quarterbacks. All right, yes. Dave Wyman. Yes. <laughs> Dave Wyman is the, the halibut <laughs> of the – Oh, well, I'll jump on that. Let me go hit that thing. Let me go – Let me react to that noise. Uh, oh, yeah. man. You're going to be in trouble. What, what are they like? They're they like the wide receivers? No, they're the QBs. They run the show. They're the king. Are they? The, why do okay. they think they call them the king, Sam? And they run the show. So, so I truly thought I was going to feel guilty. Pulling these things out, and then that – I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a little bit of a competitive fire. Yeah. Okay. That's what people uh-huh. have told me. Right. Man, because we got three – your limit is one yep. king per day. Yep. Brock and Tom Nelson and I, so our boat, we could have three king. Yep. Uh, we got our limit in 25 minutes. Uh, yeah. We, we took left at 5 a.m., uh, dropped the lines at what about five thirty, five twenty-five, and yep. we, and we had our limit before, before six, 6 a.m. Which, by the way, does not happen very often. And listeners right now, like you're out of your mind. Are you kidding me? You don't, Dory. You are so lucky. I guarantee you, someone is screaming right now, especially your buddy out in Eden. Like that doesn't happen, Dory. So I hope you appreciate that. It's not always like this. <laughs> no, it's not always like that. You can ask Captain Tom later. I know he's coming on with you. Yeah. No. And by the way, we didn't miss one. And by the way, it was bam, it was bam, it was bam, and it was beautiful. Yeah, and and what I found was you didn't feel guilt. I had no guilt because I'm just competitive, and I know that we're going to eat everything we caught. Yes, sir. So, uh, so I'm going to the go, bounty of the sea. I know. I'm going to start taking out my own pigs and cows <laughs> after this. I never thought I'd be capable of that, but but now that I know, it's exhilarating, isn't it? Yeah, it it really. Yeah, I mean, is. you just and you're on the water and you're doing something, especially up here in Sitka. You know, I was. I think I said this to you at one point, and I said, man, it, things haven't changed. Like if we were out on this boat a hundred years ago, looking at these mountains and the shore and the beauty and the wind and the water and the salt, like none of that's changed over a hundred years. Yeah. And getting the chance now, the gear has. And you're fishing, by the way, with the best boat, with the best captain, yes. <laughs> with the best gear, with the best lures, with the best of the best. Man, you were top gun with Captain Tom. Okay, but here's something else that I have to admit to the listeners, that as I talk this good game about, oh, I sucked it up, and I, I caught these fish that I didn't think I'd want to catch, I didn't bait any of my own lines. I didn't club <laughs> any- any of the I left that all sure, to you, Tom. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I yeah. just, I, I, mean, I, was, I was very, I did the very wimpy, yuppie no, version. No, you're kind of the Medina. Of what we're doing? You're kind of the Paul Moyer fisherman. Like you were fine. You wore your designer jeans. Uh-huh. <laughs> we were in rain gear. You still had your designer jeans on. Yeah. So I don't know if I've really fully. You, yes, you did. You took the rod. You yanked. You reeled. You put it all the way up. 
Tom netted it one time. You crushed it one time. You were in the cabin. Yes, I saw your yes. halibut rod quivering. Yep, I sprinted <laughs> over to to set that hook. And then we got uh, we got one shark today. Too. Yes, we did. Yeah, only one. <laughs> Wait, because that's so funny. <laughs> Nothing. I don't know if there's a metaphor to that or or not, an analogy. I don't know. No. But you got the only shark. You were you were stuck for your first time. It was amazing. So I remember Dory watching my dad, and I think boy, I was in high school, so he must have been in his late forties. I remember watching him try to ski. We had doctor friends like, oh, Mike, you're going to love it. And I was like, Dan, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, you've never skied in your life. You're nearly 50. And watching my poor dad, like, skiing crash, but he kept going. That was such a lesson. And to watch you today, what are you now, 47, 48, 50, 57? Whatever you you are, to watch you take a rod for the first time and just like, all right, let's go and reel and the battle what you battled, it was it was awesome. Okay, there's one other issue, and All maybe right. I'll have to, I should bring this up with Tom. But Wyman said if you use the electric reel, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. said that's cheating. <laughs> but these halibut are at a depth of 450 feet. Correct. And you caught a 70 pounder yesterday. Yes. Yeah. You you could not. I mean. <laughs> You can, I suppose, because oh, yeah. I suppose some people can reel up from 450 feet. Yes. But is it cheat? Did, did, did you, I cheat by using did the you ask, Do you ask Dave, do you like to drive your car or do you still bike to work? He does the Fred Flintstone. <laughs> yeah, what are you? Yeah, runs, oh, runs his you, car down the road. You're cheating in your transportation because you get to use a car. Okay. Yeah. So I'm okay there, you're too. You're just fine. So I didn't do anything wrong, horribly <laughs> wrong. No, you didn't. Although there were a couple of issues that I'll talk about with you guys in the in the Fastest 15 coming up next time. Proud hour. of you, man. Uh, thank you again for inviting well, me. Well, you thank Captain Tom. When oh, I will. Before we started this segment, Brock asked me if I had heard the SEAL story yet. And I need to hear the SEAL story. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell Nicole the SEAL story, <laughs> Brock. <laughs> that's just a legend. That's just a fisherman's tale right there. That was That's what we call a tease. That was just a fisherman's tale. Nothing nothing happened with any SEALs what? or sea lions or anything of that nature. No, Are you Nicole, serious? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. He is serious. I had no idea what he was talking about. Nicole, I don't know that if you is... know this about Brock. Sometimes he's full of malarkey. <laughs> yes, I do know this. Yeah. yeah. Can I just tell you though, on a happier note, Nicole, you would have been so proud of Dory. Like stop, you, the number. Stop. No, the number <laughs> of times. Embarrassing now. Nicole, the number of times we talk and your admiration you have and he has for you, and like you would have been so stinking proud to see him just get out there and grind. And, and I want a little it. credit it for awesome. making him go because yeah, he he tried to say credit. no. No, but yes. he tried to say no, and he said yep. to me, "No, Brock wants me to miss shows, and I'm already missing a show that week." And I was like, "Just go." I encourage fishing. You yeah, did. I want a little and credit I, for I say, encouraging Nicole, this adventure. You get a lot of credit. Nicole <laughs> usually guilts me. In, I in do. Yeah. Anytime I miss a show, she says, "No, I." I don't want to have to work with a guest host. That's and not what I she said. Does. She never says you should go do this. Right. Never. And she did this time. And my my girl said, Dad, I've never, I can't even imagine. And it's not about me this. having to work with a guest host. It's about the audience missing I know, you. I'm <laughs> it's just a joke. 
I'm just kidding. The seal was just a joke. I was just kidding. Not All a big right. deal. I was All excited right. for There's that lots of story. other stuff you are going to learn next hour, Nicole. I promise you that. Lots and lots of other <laughs> stuff you're going to learn. We're not going to tell them everything. <laughs> oh, yes. No, we're, we're not. Yes, we're not. Yes, we're not. Okay, tell them everything. Okay, uh, Nicole, thank you as we uh, get rolling here on this Friday afternoon. Brock, thank you. You're the one who uh, invited me, who made this happen, uh, along with Captain Tom. Triple we're Black Diamond. I'm going to talk to Tom in, uh, in about 25 minutes here, but uh, thank you, sir. Trip of a lifetime. Yes, Incredible. absolutely. Wait, you've come up here how many times? Seven. And you've brought people every single time? Yes. Where do I rank? Oh, way up there. Way, way, what a. way, way, probably 1A, yeah, yeah. right behind Walt here. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> that really hurts. Okay, uh, and that there is your bizarre big lead for today. This hour is brought to you by Home. The Changing. Celebrating the life and career of Dory Monson. You're listening to the very best of the Dory Monson Show. You're listening to a celebration of the best moments in Dory Monson's show history. For more information on the life and career of our dear friend Dory, please visit MyNorthwest.com. I want to take a trip down memory lane a little bit with you today because it was 10 years ago today when we had one of the most bizarre stories I've ever covered. It all unfolded live during my show. Shepard Smith reporting. A little boy flying along at some 25 miles an hour, according to the reporting of Kate of, uh, of Nine News in Denver, which is the NBC station, just floating along and the choppers following along with it uh, and no way to get him down. And with the word that the thing could stay up there for hours or days if it's not leaking helium. That a, that a hard landing would be a very difficult thing because the thing is not all that stable and it's not meant to have a human being in it, certainly not a six-year-old boy. So that was the report, that a big helium balloon, a six-year-old boy had crawled in it and it's flying through the sky and we had to cover this live during my show and I was so thrilled to cover this story with retired Seattle radio legend, Tony Miner, who joins us 10 years later here on the Dory Monson Show. Hey, Tone. Hey, Dory. How you doing, my man? <laughs> I texted uh, Tony early this morning and said, do you know this is the 10-year anniversary of Balloon Boy? <laughs> I mean, and it, I actually thought it was probably longer ago than that. This is one of those cases where, where I thought it was 20 years ago, probably. 
Well, this is this is one of those stories that uh, will never leave you. You know, I remember this vividly. That day was just insane. It was crazy. Uh, number one, that balloon door. Do you remember? It looked kind of like a UFO or something. It, it looked like uh, a cross between a UFO and a Jiffy Pop after he'd been on the stovetop. <laughs> it did. And inside is this little boy, and he's hurtling through space. I think. Didn't he go across like three counties in Colorado or something <laughs> yeah. like that? And yeah. He went across three counties. So we thought, we didn't know if this kid was going to go way up in the atmosphere or not, or is he going to come crashing down to Earth? And so, I mean, it was nuts. We're, we're doing a blow-by-blow blow until the thing ended. It was crazy. Well, yeah, and, and so uh, we're also thinking, well, the kid could freeze to death up in this balloon. Uh, like you said, uh, he could pop the balloon and come crashing down. And and I just, I'll never forget that because you were coming in and doing updates and Fox and CNN were live. And then you and I just pretty much sat in the studio the whole afternoon and narrated these live pictures of this balloon flying through the sky. And then <laughs> the thing finally comes down to earth. If you remember the big Jiffy Pop thing. <laughs> yes. Came back down to earth, and we thought, oh, my God, is the kid okay? What's going on? Was he able to breathe up there? Is he hurt? And they look all through the balloon, and guess what? The kid isn't there. <laughs> but you know what I was really proud of, Tony? I, I truly think we were the first media outlet in the country to say, not definitively, but almost with certainty, that there's no way the kid was in the balloon, because I don't know if you remember this, but a listener started emailing me, and he was sending all of the formulas for the lift of helium and the weight of a six-year-old boy, and he, and he said there's absolutely no way that a balloon that size has a boy that's whatever they said he was, 50, 60 pounds. And, and he, he sent us the formulas of how big the balloon would have had to have been. And the guy was so awesome with his calculations that I think an hour before the balloon came down, we were saying there's no way the kid's in the balloon. Well, I, I do remember that, Dory, and I'm not surprised because, as you know, during your show, uh, frequently uh, we were on the cutting edge. Uh, we were... <laughs> That's right. It was award-winning stuff. It was award-winning stuff every single day, and I'm not surprised that we knew that way ahead of time. And we, I mean, we beat the national media on a daily basis. Exactly. Yes, we did. And then, yeah, the truth of the matter was, and uh, here's here was Wolf Blitzer's description of it. Falcon was really in the garage this whole time. Uh, I don't know if Falcon can hear me, but was he? Because uh, I know at some point he fell asleep in that garage, but he was hiding out because he thought you were going to punish him for something that happened earlier in the day. Uh, did he hear anything? Did he hear you screaming out, Falcon? Falcon? Uh, he's, he's asking Falcon. Did you hear us calling your name at any time? Hmm? You did. You did. Why didn't you come out? Um. You guys said. That's where we found out the dad made this because he, he has the boy on live TV and says, why didn't you come out? And the little kid said, because you said not to, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, on further review, uh, <laughs> didn't it turn out that mom and dad uh, were aspiring reality TV people? Exactly. And they wanted their own reality TV show or something like that? Was yes. That the deal? And so they... 
They said that the boy was hiding, that they really thought he was up in the balloon, but it turns out that they they just manufactured the whole hoax in the hopes, like you just said, of getting a, their own reality show. And uh, the kid busted them on live TV when they talked to, uh, to <laughs> Wolf Blitzer. And it was just... And, well, and, they, 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 oh, go ahead. they deserved it because talk about loser parents <laughs> to uh, not only do something like this, but to drag your kid into it. I, I mean, come on. I wonder if anybody's done an update 10 years later to see what's happened to that family. I need to look into that. Well, something something, something tells me they didn't get that big reality TV show. Yeah. So. yeah. The, the thing I remember was the arc, I think it was almost a three-hour story arc, and it broke right as... I was going on the air, and then we found out about the hoax right as the show was ending. So it was just a it was a perfect three hour arc that just fit in our show uh, ideally. Well, you want that to happen every single day on your show, right, Dory? I know. Why don't you, in your retirement, start coming up with some hoaxes that I can report on, Tony? <laughs> oh, we we can do some fake news. <laughs> no, there's plenty of that elsewhere these days, believe yeah. me. I, uh, I, I, I would agree. Yeah. Well, uh, I know that you have so many fans here in our Cairo audience. How, how is life in retirement? I know how it is, but tell everybody else. Well, you know, believe it or not, Dory, it's been six years, uh, almost to the day since I uh, walked out the door there at Cairo. Hard to believe it's been six years, but life is good. Uh, I'm super busy. I'm involved in the maritime industry and with a couple different things that I'm doing and uh, not having to drive to Seattle every day, which is uh, which is really good. I'm doing a travel podcast nice. that's uh, been picked up by 14 or 15 uh, little radio stations around the state called Exploring the Northwest. So I'm doing that as well, chasing a couple grandsons around and uh, trying to stay out of trouble. So I'm, I'm here to say that... Uh, there is life after radio, I guess, and life is good. I know. I've I've told you many times. I want my retirement to be as happy as yours is. That's awesome, man. Well, ten well, years ago, I appreciate it. Ten years ago is when we made radio broadcasting history, Tony. And it's something, Dory, that I'll I'll never forget, my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for popping on with me. It's really good talking to you. Okay, you too. Take care. Okay, Seattle radio legend Tony Miner. Ten years ago today, we covered Balloon Boy. All right, uh, text me. What do you think about all this? 98973. That's 98973. And we do have lots more straight ahead here on the Dory Monson Show. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate some of our favorite moments from the Dory Monson Show. Please enjoy this celebration of the life and career of Dory Monson. You're listening to the best of the Dory Monson Show. Walking down the road Tell me how long you gonna stay here, Joe Okay, I am recording this segment because I know I tend to make people horribly uncomfortable when I get really emotional, so I'm gonna see if I can get through this here. I wanted you to know why I was not on the air yesterday, not necessarily to explain my absence, but I want to tell you about one of the most incredible human beings I will ever know. 
the last 48 hours have been really hard. When I got off the air on Tuesday, I found out that my sister Carla, Carla Lipinski, had suddenly, shockingly, passed away. And I had dealt with death at the end of a long illness with my mother and with my father-in-law. I had never dealt with sudden death. She was in a very minor car accident in Kitsap County. Uh, when she came home, she told her husband, John, that she was having some chest pains. And he rushed her to the hospital and they weren't able to revive her. But I want to tell you just a little bit about her life. And it is only a very little bit because it was quite a life. My wife, Suzanne, and I, total coincidence, but we got married on Carla and John's 20th anniversary. They got married a month after they both graduated from Ballard High School in 1967. They got married a month after they graduated high school. They had their first baby about four months later. They had three kids before Carla was 22 years old. I, I cannot imagine that. Three kids before she was 22. And those are the types of marriages that never work out, right? You get married because she's with child, and you know, they were, you know, John was a blue collar guy, he's an electrician. And yet they developed into the kind of husband-wife relationship that I admired more than any other on earth. It was a relationship, is a relationship, rooted in a shared deep faith in Jesus Christ. And their family's incredible. My wife and I, we're about to celebrate our 35th anniversary this June, which means Carla and John were about to celebrate their 55th anniversary this June. And they'd been together for a couple of years before that, so 57 years together. And just the suddenness of this, uh, it's it's been really just shockingly difficult. But out of that wedding a month after high school, they built this incredible family, three kids, their oldest son. Nobody on either side of the family had ever graduated college. Well, their older son becomes a professor at an Ivy League school at Penn. Their daughter is a nurse. They lost a son a few years ago, and through that I saw what an unshakable faith is really like when it is tested more harshly, more severely than anything else in the human existence. When they lost their son, I saw two people who were not shaken in their faith at all, and that's very, very impressive. For me, I realized that there are very few people. Once my mom was gone, 
There are only a couple people who were a constant in my life from birth until your most recent day. And Carla was one of those people for me. And every single time, all of my girls uh, got together with me and my wife last night just to kind of support me through this. And we were talking that there are two people that, and this is my girl's words, not necessarily mine. There are two people that they know in life whose every action, every word, every deed is one of just pure love and goodness and faith. Every conversation Carla had, she talked about her faith. And those two people are my wife's mom, who's still going strong at age 86, and my sister Carla. I was very blessed because I hadn't talked to her in a couple of weeks. And on uh, Saturday, I called her. And we had the longest, most beautiful, most faith-filled, most uplifting conversation. I had no idea it was going to be our last conversation. And then the next day, Easter Sunday, she emailed me and sent me the video of her church's Easter service and told me how uplifting it was, and it was. And she went in that day crying. She felt really sad on Easter because she was thinking about the son they'd lost, but she said she came out just feeling wonderful. So she wanted to make sure that I I saw that service. So I watched their service on Sunday, and I realized that was the last gift that she gave to me. Neither one of us knew it at the time, but that was the last gift that she gave to me. So I'm telling you all this because I wanted, I wanted you to know my sister a little bit. Carla Lipinski, she was 72 years old. I'm going to take a quick time out. I'm going to be able to get my composure since I recorded this. And Brandy Cruz will join me. Coming up next, here at the Dory Monson Show. Celebrating the life and career of Dory Monson. You're listening to the very best of the Dory Monson Show. I am here to be more like Sawant and Murray. I'm not saying no more. I am a Seattleite. I don't like money no more. Or personal freedoms. I said I like taxes. Taxes, taxes, taxes. I said levies. I'm not sane. I would not bash the tunnel. I would not question the cost. I would not scratch my head at that timeline. I will. It will get finished. Are you with me, my brothers and sisters? And if you think you like your money, Give up that evil. Come- 
come on over to the dark side. Join me with all of my fellow Seattleites. Give up your money. Give it to Ed Murray. Give it to Kishama Sawant. Turn it over. It's just the root of all evil. Join me in love and peace in all that is Seattle.